Welcome to the Process Breakdown Podcast, where we talk about streamlining and scaling operations of your company, getting rid of bottlenecks, and giving your employees all the information they need to be successful at their jobs. Now, let's get started with the show. Chad Franzen here, co-host of the Process Breakdown Podcast, where we talk about streamlining and scaling operations of your company, getting rid of bottlenecks, and giving your staff everything they need to be successful at their job. Past guests include David Allen of Getting Things Done, Michael Gerber of The E-Myth, and many more. This episode is brought to you by Sweet Process. Have you had team members ask you the same questions over and over again, and this is the 10th time you spent explaining it? There's a better way and a solution. Sweet Process is a software that makes it drop-dead easy to train and onboard new staff, and save time with existing staff. Not only do universities, banks, hospitals, and software companies use them, but first responder government agencies use them in life or death situations to run their operations. Sign up for a free 14-day trial, no credit card required. Go to sweetprocess.com. That's sweet like candy, S-W-E-E-T process.com. Anne-Marie Watecki is the hospital administrator at Arkansas Children's Northwest. She is an operational leader with the unique experience of project planning, a Greenfield Hospital, and managing a wide variety of operational areas in pediatric health care. She has a drive for fostering great communication and trust among high-functioning interdisciplinary teams, putting people first, finding what, finding what motivates them and to bring their best works, bring their best selves to work every day, and developing their strengths is her passion. Jennifer, thank you so much for, and Maria, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Boy, I am struggling here. Uh, good, good. Thanks. So tell me a little bit more about um, Arkansas Children's Hospital and what you guys do. Yeah. So I work at Arkansas Children's Northwest is our satellite facility. Arkansas Children's is the only uh, pediatric hospital in the state. We have a large campus located in Little Rock, um, over 300 beds, level one trauma center, big NICU, big PICU, and I work out of our Northwest Arkansas campus in Springdale, Arkansas, which is really close to Bentonville, which a lot of people know is the headquarters of Walmart. Mm-hmm. So we're pretty popular that way. We have a lot of new new leaders, new people coming into the area every day to go work for Walmart and their vendors. Um, up here, we're a 25-bed facility. I moved up here to help build the facility. We have a big infusion center, a lot of outpatient services, and we're just growing more and more every day. What's kind of involved in your day-to-day role? So currently, I just transitioned from being the director of operations to a nursing role. So um, I'm not a nurse. I'm kind of an operational leader um, hiding out among nurses. So I'm the director of our primary care services. So I manage the growth that we're trying to accomplish in primary care. So basically general, general pediatric care, um, people's primary care physicians, and how do we expand a lot of what I do is trying to figure out how to expand in this region to provide more pediatric services. And you kind of work, um, you kind of help to develop uh, some people on the leadership team. Is that right? Yes, I have gotten the opportunity in this role. I started working at Children's straight out of um, graduate school. I did my fellowship in Little Rock with Children's. And Children's has helped me develop as a leader. And in turn, it's been one of my greatest joys in my job to develop other leaders. Um, the way and invest in them the way children's invested in me. What would you say is kind of your when you when you kind of target somebody who you think you know would be a good leader? What's kind of your process in terms of you know developing them into what you think they can be? 
First thing for me is to find out what actually motivates them. So it's really easy for me to look at a high performer and think this person is going to be able to go the distance They're, They can be a vice president one day and start. And, you know, originally what I would do is start spending time with them, investing in them, but never actually ask them what, why do you come to work every day? What do you want to do when you grow up? I mean, you never really, you can ask anyone that doesn't matter how old they are, but taking the time to actually ask what motivates them is important because for some people coming to work, a job is just a job and that's okay. And it's hard for people to believe that, especially in healthcare. But if that's what, if that's all someone wants is to just come to work every day, um, go home and be with their family and invest in their personal life, that's totally fine. Um, and I might not spend the time I otherwise would in um, growing them. But if I find someone who thinks, you know, actually, I do want to do more, um, it gives me the opportunity to figure out how much time to invest. I think what I've seen in the past is if I can see someone want to give maybe 60% effort to growing and doing more, um, I will give that 40. And then as we develop a relationship, I'm going to be, I'm going to put more and more of my time and effort in. Um, but it's important to me to see and know that somebody wants to do more. Um, and it's intimidating. It's uh, some people think they never thought that they would, um, spend, get where they got to in their career and they don't wake up and they're not born waking up thinking I want to be a CEO one day. Um, so sometimes you're the first person to suggest to somebody that, Hey, I think you have a lot of potential to be a leader. What, uh, what, what do you do to find out kind of, you know, if they're willing to meet that 60%? Uh, their openness to feedback is a big indicator of that. So, and someone's willing, they're, their ability to demonstrate how they can think critically and solve problems that I present them. Um, lots of times when I see people that volunteer to take on more challenges or seeing how they react to challenges. So if we have an, an issue that comes up and it paralyzes someone, that's usually is not a great indicator that that's, that that's going to be where um, I want to spend, spend a lot of my time in terms of development. But working with someone who asks the hard questions of me um, has that self-awareness to ask, what can I do better? Um, and some people, they ask to be grown and then in turn, being able to take that feedback and not get defensive. So being able to tell someone, you know, you're really good with people, but you struggle with your project management. And if their response is, okay, how do I do that better? Uh, that's a good response. If someone wants to get really defensive about it, that's, again, that's also a learning opportunity to say, this is something I feel like you're really defensive about. Let's talk about um, a different way to respond to that kind of feedback. When you, so let's say, let's say you've, you've decided that this person, this person has the makings of a good leader. What's kind of your process for, for developing them um, after that? The, one of the things is to find objective measures of success. And there's so much in leadership that feels very, very subjective that even things when we talk about why someone is a good communicator or why they're a good leader. A lot of those things are based on, on our personal opinions. So helping, there's developing someone in their current role, in which case it is finding objective measures. So if something they need to improve on is communication with their team, of course, you have things like employee engagement surveys and polling to get feedback um, from staff on, but you can also do, you know, if I am working with someone on that, I ask them, okay, when we meet monthly, show me your agendas from some of your one-on-ones or some of your team meetings. Cause that's an objective. It's, you know, that is a task. I 
going to meet with these people one-on-one every month. I'm going to have an agenda. These are the things they're going to talk about. Then when I meet with Anne Marie, I'm going to show her these things and we're going to go over it. So it's a more objective way for me to kind of gauge what someone's doing, but then also to give someone, someone feedback on that. It's a way, and there's a lot, you know, you, it's hard to change people's um, characters and attitudes, but you can hold people accountable for their behaviors and finding objective ways to kind of measure behavior is, is really important. So you, you've got uh, one process where you kind of um, target potential leaders. What about mm-hmm. the other side? Maybe you've, you've realized you've hired somebody or somebody's on board and they're kind of like a, a low, <laughs> they're not performing um, maybe up to, up to what you might hope for. What do you do in that case? That's a, another, I, you, you hear it all the time in leadership that we spend so much time on our low performers that we forget about our middle to high performers. And a lot of times you see, especially middle performers kind of leave because they're not getting that attention. And that's a real problem because our low performers are probably going to leave anyway. We probably want them to. So that's not where we need to spend our time. And again, that comes to um, what's motivating somebody um, because they might not, sorry about that. So they might not actually want to be at work and we don't want them there either. So I had a boss who used to say our, our slogan at children's used to be, uh, we used to talk about care, love and hope. And he would always say, you know, I think they need to find their care, love, and hope somewhere else. And that's true because if someone's not doing well at work, they're usually not happy there either. So instead of um, being a really being making things really difficult for them, I find it better to have a transparent conversation with somebody. And that's from an, a leader to a frontline staff person. And sometimes it's that they have a lot going on personally, and it has nothing to do with the job. And sometimes they just they're not happy where they are. So how do I? What can I do to help them be successful? somewhere else because 99% of people don't come to work wanting to just create mayhem or do a bad job um, and bring down the team. They're there. They want to bring their best and they just might need some help with that. So uh, do you have kind of a a process that you follow in terms of either turning somebody around or, uh, you know, helping them move on to other things? Yeah, for me, it's the, it's direct, consistent feedback. When I first started out, in leadership, I was really afraid of feedback. I um, I didn't want people to be mad at me. I felt like it was really harsh and really uncomfortable. And the longer I've done this, the more I've realized if you can give that, it's much easier to hear feedback in the moment um, and to tell someone, hey, yesterday when you answered the phone this way, it wasn't appropriate. Versus two months when I sit down and have a meeting with them and it's dramatic and I come out with this laundry list of issues because that breaks down trust. Mm-hmm. So giving direct, consistent feedback is important. I did. I had one leader that um, there was so much that had to happen in terms of improvement for her to be successful that I, a, a, there was a point where I did not think we were going to get there. And we had a conversation, uh, that conversation where I said, these are the things we need to do. Do you want to do them? Like, is this, I need you to go home and think about, is this something you want to do? Because if it's not, that's okay. And we will, we'll take a different direction. And I think taking that judgment out of it, I think when we're leaders and we're really excited about leadership, we get disappointed when someone else isn't. And it's like, if they just did this, they could be so successful. That's not my place to judge why someone does want to do something or doesn't want to do something. All I can do is tell them um, where they're struggling, where they're successful, and then give them the option of what they want to do with that information. And again, that's where I think just being direct is really, really important because then you let that person make that decision. 
So in terms of somebody who maybe that they've they've you've determined that everybody you've kind of both have determined that they're not that they're kind of a low performer. They're performing mm-hmm. not performing up to up to standard and they may have perfectly good reasons for that. Do you find that you more often have do they usually make the choice to move on or do you have to push them <laughs> out the door? Is I prefer for them to make the choice mm-hmm. to move on because that's uh that's best for everybody. Um, some people aren't going to make that choice and then I have to make it for them, which, um, and again, that's where that direct consistent communication is important because you're kind of have been just, you know, from an HR standpoint, you've been building this Mm -hmm. case that makes things a lot easier. Um, again, from an HR standpoint, I think interpersonally, it's always difficult, but sometimes it's not necessarily, if it's a leader, it's not necessarily leaving the organization. Sometimes it's taking a, a demotion and moving to a step down and, um, creating an environment where that person feels is feel safe to do that. Um, but there are times where you are, you do have to have that converse, that direct conversation and say, I think it's time for you to look for another job. Um, and then there's times where it's saying, okay, the, where you're actually terminating someone, which is never a, a good place to be, but you can sleep a lot better at night. If you know that you have done everything you can along the way to to make that person successful and to grow them or to help find them a different place in the organization. And that's what's important is just that they might not acknowledge it. I mean, you're always gonna have people that say this is the first time hearing about this. And you know, you have you can kind of have a different you have a, like a laundry list of 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 items that you've already talked about in the past. But yeah, it's it's I always prefer for someone to make the decision themselves to leave. Um, because it's it's a, it's a much more amicable way to do that, but it doesn't always happen that way. I wanted to ask you about using data to evaluate success. Uh, do you guys do that, and how how so? Yes, we use a lot of data. Um, I think we sometimes we have that analysis paralysis here. <laughs> so we, I, especially I do. I love data. Uh, what I have learned, especially in healthcare, is again that's where I think that the data. Is it's objective? It's facts. It's, this is now, of course, data needs context, and that's something that, as I've um, grown as a leader, I've developed more and more that you can't just put data in front of everybody. You kind of you have to understand the context around it. Um, and I think where a good example where I've seen um, data be really successful in evaluating success is being or identifying issues. So when I managed our ancillary services, uh, the pharmacy was one of the departments that reported up to me. And we had a big issue, a patient dissatisfaction issue where we had patients waiting for, they were here all day if they came in for an infusion. And they might be here for two hours before they ever get their infusion started. And what we had to do was actually look at, um, you know, we're trying to figure out where is the breakdown happening. Uh, This team is saying that they're getting the medication upstairs right away. This team's saying, the nurses are saying they've never seen the medication. So being over the pharmacy, one of the things we implemented was, okay, what you're going to do is our Epic, our EMR documents a lot of information. I have that. Um, we had to add another step in that process to document what time the medication arrives to the floor. Cause uh, with some of those medications, we have to physically walk them up. And what we found was that our turnaround time was within 45 minutes. The issue was it would get upstairs and, and sit there for a long time. Now that's kind of using data to CYA and say, it's not us, it's them, which isn't helpful. So the conversation then became, all right, how, how do we make sure that we're communicating that the medication got here when it did so that the nurse knows to give it? Um, and so that's a way that data helped us identify a 
an issue, but you know, it's that allowed us to be successful in the end because you had one group thinking um, these meds are sitting in the pharmacy and they're not doing anything about it. And you had the pharmacist thinking the nurses are ignoring this medication. Um, everyone's blaming everyone versus working together towards a solution. And data, data helped us identify what that solution could be. My final question for you today, Anne-Marie, is uh, how can people find out more about um, Arkansas Children's? Yes, uh, the, so we have a large Twitter presence uh, at AR Children's, our website. Um, our, we have a large LinkedIn presen- presence as well, Arkansas Children's. Um, we are growing across the state like crazy. We're trying to expand our reach and reach more and more kids in, in rural Arkansas. Um, and so those are the best ways to really find out about us. I'll put a plug out there too, that we uh, have a lot of openings for leadership positions. Of course, a lot of openings for frontline positions, just like everyone else, but we are always um, looking for leaders and we don't just take leaders from healthcare. We know we have a lot to learn from other industries. So we're always looking for operational leaders with other industry experience as well. Okay, sounds great. Hey, I really, really appreciate your time today. And Marie, thank you so much. Thank you, Chad. Have a great day. So long, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Process Breakdown Podcast. Before you go, quick question. Do you want a tool that makes it easy to document processes, procedures, and or policies for your company so that your employees have all the information they need to be successful at their job? If yes, sign up for a free 14-day trial of Sweet Process. No credit card is required to sign up. Go to sweetprocess.com, sweet like candy, and process like process.com. Go now to sweetprocess.com and sign up for your risk-free 14-day trial. Hi, this is Owen, the CEO and co-founder here at Sweet Process. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast interview, uh, actually, you know what I want you to do? Go ahead and leave us a five-star review on iTunes. That way we get more people aware of the good stuff that you get here on this podcast. Again, go on to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Looking forward to reading your review. Have a good day. That's